Elizabeth Evans and I'm a homeschooling mom of four young kids. I'm figuring this out as I go, but I'm here to talk to Bonnie, who has been writing and speaking on the subject for over a decade and has been homeschooling for three decades. My name's Bonnie Landry. I've got seven kids. They're ages 13 to 33. I've been homeschooling for 29 years. I'm a wife, a mom, a grandma, um, I'm a speaker and a writer, and I'm an advocate of joy. So uh, we're here to provide this podcast so that homeschooling can look like you imagined it to be. Hi, Elizabeth. Hello. Hi. Uh, we want to welcome our first uh, guest here on Make Joy Normal. Uh, this is Philip Campbell. And Philip Campbell has just recently uh, published with Tan Books, uh, Tan Benedict, right, um, a program called The Story of Civilization. We'll be chatting about that this evening. And Philip is a, a self-professed history nerd, but I would like him to elaborate on, uh, on what that means and, and how he ended up being involved in this program. So what we we're hoping is if you could just do a short little intro, Philip, um, and if you could tell us also then a little bit about the program itself. Sure. Well, thank you for having me on your program. And uh, let's see. Uh, so um, I, uh, I've been a history teacher for most of my adult life um, Ann Arbor for many years. And then I got affiliated with Homeschool Connections, which many of your listeners probably are uh, aware of. Um, I started at Homeschool Connections uh, online when they were brand new, like they didn't even have a history teacher. And Maureen Whitman, who was the founder, was uh, I happened to run across her in real life. She's also a Michigander, uh, like myself. And she was like, I need, I need someone to teach history for this thing I'm starting. Uh, you know, it's just a little thing. You know, you're probably not going to make any money. I just, you know, I was, I was like, okay, whatever. I love teaching history. So I started putting together a history program for her and teaching classes. And, and over the years, it grew and grew and grew. And Homeschool Connections got larger and larger until now we have uh, something like 30 plus different instructors and 200 plus classes. And I myself personally have something like 25 different classes available at HSC and thousands and thousands of students have come through my, uh, my classes over the years. And so that was kind of where I, I cut my teeth teaching history. And then uh, a few years ago, now probably five years, I got approached by, uh, by Tan Books to, um, to write a, a history curriculum for middle school for them and that uh, those discussions turned into the, the program now known as Story of Civilization, which is four volumes. And then there's a spinoff uh, volume, uh, fifth volume called Story of the Church, which is more just ecclesiastical history. Uh, so now I think more people probably know me for Story of Civilization. And it's been a very popular um, history program. It's, it's basically, um, it's uh, e each volume you have, a, you have a textbook and then you have various other components like an audio drama, um, online streaming services, a teacher's guide, activity manual, wall map, it's a, the, whole, the whole kit and caboodle, uh, everything you need for history. And it takes you all the way from the ancient world through all the way up to modern US history to like 2016-ish. And, um, and one of the reasons people like it is because I was trying to recapture the idea of teaching history as a story because I kept running into people when I said I was a history teacher uh, people be like oh I love history but man I it was boring in school like I hated it and uh, <laughs> I kept hearing that over and over again like people being mm -hmm. like oh I I hated history class but I've always been interested in the subject so 
I started to think that there was some sort of maybe deficiency in how it was being presented. And so when I wrote the book, and this was Tan's vision also, I wanted to recapture history as like the telling of dramatic stories, like the most ancient histories, you know, like Viking histories or Greek histories, they would have been tales of the brave deeds of warriors that would be sung or, you know, uh, uh, told in a great hall to a feast. So I wanted to kind of recapture the narrative aspect of history. And so uh, nice. the books are very narrative focused, um, very much like reading stories. And each chapter has a little historical fiction, actual story in it with dialogue and characters and whatnot to help kind of mentally, visually place the student in the historical period that we're studying. And it's been very, uh, it's been very um, helpful. I think a lot of people talk to me and say, my kids love history now, it's their favorite subject. And it's just not something you hear a, you, that I'd heard a lot in general, people saying that history was their favorite subject. It was usually something that was tolerated. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. But so, uh, you know, I think it's been fairly successful, but that was the vision behind the program and how I got um, associated with it. Okay. Well, what caught my attention was we, we love history as a family. We love history. Now I'm, you know, just my last child at home, she's 14. Mm -hmm. um, and we wanted to study the ancient world this year. And so I, I uh, thought, you know, I was, we usually do living books. We usually learn from literature, but I always like to have some kind of a text as our backbone so that we read a little yeah. bit of the text and then we read the novel that goes along with it and our, our study spins off of there. So it caught my attention. Now she's older, but I'm a big believer in supplementing up and supplementing down. And because I had a big age range of kids, it was something that uh, I was constantly doing, right? So here's the backbone, here's the text. But what I, so I ordered your book. Uh, oh, so I got the first is. one um, because that's what they're, we're doing this year. But what I love about it is just so comprehensive, right? Because yeah. a lot of times you get a history text and it's, it's either one small portion of history or uh, it doesn't have that sort of, um, I hate to use the word linear, but I'm going to use that, but a, a sort of a sense of where we have come from, right? Which I think that yeah. it looks like, you know, from the little bit I've read, it looks like you've done a really good job of that. Yeah. Um, do you want me to comment on that? Because I have yeah. a lot I can say about that. <laughs> um, there was a couple, in, in, in preparing this book, there was a couple things I wanted to avoid that I'd seen in other history texts. Um, the closest thing to what we were doing with civilization was the, uh, the Protestant textbook, Story of the World. Um, Story of the World are very popular, uh, but when you read Story of the World, they're very, uh, like, uh, I can't remember the word you just used, but they're, they're very kind of spread out. Like there's not a strong sense of, of movement, of showing how, how things have moved and developed. It's very much like, um, uh, here's what's going on in Africa. Here's what's going on in Asia. Here's what was going on in Europe. Here's what was going on. It's kind of just kind of this all over. And that's very much, I mean, that's how the real world is, but it's very difficult to capture in a single book for middle schoolers, you know? Mm -hmm. So first thing I did was I, you know, we narrowed down the focus um, instead of trying to cover the history of the entire world in a little book, you know, we, we just narrowed the focus to, um, to basically Western Civ with other aspects of, of different different cultures coming in as it was relevant. But more importantly, uh, another thing I wanted to avoid was uh, a lot of times when you get Catholic curricula, you'll get, um, like in history especially, people tend to confuse uh, history from a Catholic perspective with Catholic history. So you'll, right. get, you'll get like Catholic historical studies, which are just histories of the church essentially. 
and then they omit lots of the secular stuff that was going on. So I was like, no, I don't want to do that. I want to tell the, the, the big picture, the story, like, I mean, ultimately they're, they're history books about just the secular history, but from a Catholic perspective. So telling the secular history story, but weaving in the church's role, the church's contributions, the important individuals in Catholic history in such a way that you still get that broad history. You, you still get everything you need. It's very comprehensive. Um, but the church is really kind of like a thread that moves the whole thing along or in ancient history, before you get to the churches, you'll see in the book, it kind of just goes along with the, the, the movement, the development of civilization towards the, the time when, uh, when Christ will come. So I was very happy with how between Tan and I, we were able to kind of weave together those different elements to get a narrative that was very comprehensive, very expansive, but also very directed. I think yeah. we hit the sweet spot. Yeah, I think you did. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I love history. I get it from my dad, but I remember being frustrated as a kid growing up in the school systems because it felt like we never moved past certain parts of history because the next year we'd just go back and kind of start over again. And so yeah. like what I really was interested in was World War II history and we never got there. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have a, um, I have a talk I give at conferences. Maybe we can, maybe we can come back and do it again sometime here, but it's on, it's on why, why, um, uh, what is it called? But it's, it's about why people are so bad at teaching modern history. And it's because they, they always run out of time, the way they structure it. They, they start modern at like either the Reformation yeah. or sometimes the French Revolution. And they run out of semester by the time they get to like World War I or maybe World War II. Yeah. And so there's all these kids who, who don't, <laughs> what's that? A lot of stuff happened. <laughs> a lot of stuff happened. Like you need you need a lot of time to cover the twentieth century, and so, um, uh, and so you'll often run out of time in that semester around World War One or World War Two if you're lucky. And then, so I kept running these kids whose historical knowledge ended at World War Two. They didn't know they didn't know about Vietnam. They didn't know why the Middle East was the way it was. You know, they didn't know anything about that stuff. So. At Homeschool Connections, I ended up putting together a class called Contemporary History, which we start at 1988, and we spend the whole semester going 1988 to today. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that's so, awesome. Anyhow. Yeah. So did you have a question, Elizabeth? Yeah. Um, I think you, you may have touched on this a little bit, but maybe just a little bit more on how you first got involved with this project. Oh, well, it was kind of a, it was kind of a chain of weird coincidences. Um, I was so, uh, it's really a God thing. Like I was, I was the DRE at a parish called Old St. Patrick in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And this parish happened to be the same facility where the St. Augustine program was out of. So St. Augustine said, hey, since you work here already, we'll also hire you to teach history. So I taught history there for 10 years. That happened to be the church where Mrs. Whitman from Homeschool Connections brought her kids to get sacraments. So she met me and said, oh, you teach history here, come teach for me. So then I started teaching for Mrs. Whitman. Then Mrs. Whitman met Connor Gallagher, who was the, uh, the president of TAN. He said, I'm looking for some guy to write history books. And Mrs. Whitman said, oh, you got to talk to my guy. And then she sent me over to him. So it was just like my whole career has been like hot potato being passed from person to person through a chain of providential uh, networks. Um, I'd already been writing history for a while, though. Um, I, I mean, not uh, before, 
before I was hooked up with Tan, I had my own independent publishing um, imprint called Kruikin Hill Press, which I still publish under. It's where I publish all my super nerdy stuff that no publisher wants to touch because there's no money value in it. Because <laughs> it's, all too, it's all too specific. Um, so I'd already been self-publishing history texts and reprints of old books under that for a while. So I was very familiar with the whole process and with writing for history and, and whatnot. So um, Tan reached out to me and they were like, well, you know, we kind of wanted a PhD and you don't have a PhD, you know, you're just like a, a bachelor's degree and you know, you, you've got a, I have a teacher certificate in secondary education. They were like, we really want a PhD. And I was like, no, PhDs don't talk to middle schoolers all day. I was like, you want an actual guy that teaches middle school? You know, so they're like, mm, okay, we'll give you a chance, submit a sample chapter. So I wrote them a sample chapter about the Persian Wars in the style that they wanted and they loved it. And then they had me do one more, I think, and then I, I got it. And so they, they kind of came around to my way of thinking like you, right. they still had the PhDs guy, PhD guys looking over my writing to make sure it was accurate, you know, <laughs> but, but as far as actually communicating with the kids, they were like, no, we, we actually do want someone who talks to kids on a daily basis. Yeah. And your homeschool dad, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that yeah. makes a difference, right? That makes a difference for sure. Was there was their goal to produce this for homeschoolers? Yes, yes it was because they noticed uh, they very, uh, Connor uh, Gallagher is a very, uh, a very cool, cool guy, a very astute business person. Uh, he has this charming Southern accent that I can't get enough of listening to him, but he was, you know, he came to me and he was just, you know, he was very, insightful and he realized that there was like a gap and he, he looked at all the homeschooling materials available for Catholics and he realized that for middle school in particular people were pulling stuff from the Protestant world or they were trying to like take high school texts and bring them down or they were just using historical fiction books which is fine but as you point out historical fiction isn't really a text it's not a spine so he was just kind of like hey Phil we really need to get something in here and you know we need to make this series of tech and you know he just kind of had the vision that there was a gap there in uh you know for the the demand and supply and we just filled that gap and uh right. that, so that was how it came about yeah well it's interesting because we used in our early years of homeschooling for sure we used a lot of christ the king lord of history mm -hmm. right which was handy but it's it's definitely written at a high school level and it's a bit of a gloss like i mean you know all of you know basically all of world history up to um explorers and the discovery of the new world is you know in a, kind yeah. of an inch and a half so i mean it's so that was, but that was all there was, right? No, or there's this, there's a great program called uh, RC, RC Books, I think. Um, right. uh, and uh, RC Books was, is a program, it's still around. It's a program where basically they'll take, they'll take you through history, through a series of uh, just historical fiction and literature. And what RC Books does is it, it sells you all those resources. It sells you the, the, the guides to organize them, to, it tells you the sequence and the scope. You know, right. and uh, and that's another way that people had been doing it. And the cool thing now is people will still take story of civilization and still do RC books along with it as their yeah. their kind of literature side of it. So people often pair our two programs together, which is really cool. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, I was actually while you're on that, I was going to mention a resource for parents. Um, that's there's a website called lovetolearn.net. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a Catholic resource, but uh, you know there would be lots of stuff for for Protestants and secular homeschoolers as well. Um, and what they've done is they they have a a uh, link to a list of books called "Reading Your Way Through History: A Timeline of Worthwhile Reading 
uh, in print. And so they list off for every era, they list off several uh, fiction books or, yeah. the, or the Bible stories or right. um, stories that would line up in the Book of Virtues. Mm -hmm. And so it's a really great resource that would probably line up very nicely with, with what you're, I sort of went through a few pages of that and your book at the same time, but oh yeah, there was so much crossover here. Oh yeah, and there's a um, if anyone is on Facebook, there's a uh, there's a Facebook group called Tan Story of Civilization Unofficial or something. It's it's a group of parents who got together to share resources about how to merge my cool. program with others. And the the moms on there are pretty amazing. They take my program to places that I never envisioned it would go uh, in cool. terms of like all this other stuff that they come up with. Like here's all these recipes and here's all these other books and here's these projects and they post pictures of it That's and it's pretty astonishing to see. People take what I made and then run with it. But anyhow, one What's of the, the women. Facebook group again. Sorry, Philip. Oh, it's called it's called Tan Story of Civilization Unofficial because it's not from Tan. It's just a group right. of parents. Okay, um, that's great. We'll put the show note. We'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah, there's a great a lot of resources on there. But what some of the moms in that group did is they they put together their own book lists that they thought went with the the book, and uh, and they've shared them with me. I have them on my website, which is philipcampbell.net. You can find uh, those book lists. So. It's really cool. It's one good thing about the Story of Civilization program. It's very versatile. You can take it and you can use it in isolation or you can pair it up with other resources and it works really well as a spine in a larger program. Yeah, and absolutely the ability to supplement up and down. That was really obvious to me. This would be an easy text to supplement down, supplement up to, you know, if you've got elementary school kids or you've got high schoolers, you know, um, yeah, and written nicely so the high schoolers aren't going to think, you know, so yeah my schoolers do that a lot you know <laughs> yeah. i'm i'm curious how long did it take you to to write these all of them or just one <laughs> it took um, me it, uh, <laughs> well there's five books in the series total i started in 2015 and i just finished this january okay. so five almost five years so it takes about year? it takes one about one year. year to do each book yeah that's amazing yeah wow. So what would you say, I think we've kind of covered this already, so maybe I won't ask that question. Um, if you can tell the listeners what, what age range this is geared at, and maybe we can discuss some ways uh, of, of branching out or supplementing. If, you have, if you're dealing with a big age range of kids, and many of us are, how could we go about doing that? Uh, I always get asked this question, and I always say the same thing, which is that I wrote this book for middle schoolers, and then after it was written, Tan marketed it to like elementary and middle schoolers. So okay. they decided uh, um, we were originally plugging a gap for middle school. But then as the book started to come together and they started test reading it to people, they saw it was very accessible to a younger audience too. They saw that families that were reading it to their, with their middle school kids, that their like fourth grade kids were sitting in and getting engaged in it also. Yeah. So that's why they started adding the activity books for younger kids and things like that. So oh, it's so meant to, that. Okay, this is great. Yeah, so it's on something that is is like I guess kind of a schoolhouse model where it's meant to be taught simultaneously to different grades. Um, if you're using all the components, you can absolutely teach it down to probably fourth grade. Right. Lots of people use it for fourth and fifth grade. Okay. Um, the text itself is probably written at like a fifth, sixth, seventh grade level. 
your seventh and eighth graders are still going to get something out of it. If you're, if you're uh, adding stuff into it to supplement, you can easily use it for seventh grade. But in terms of what I actually intended it to be written for, I'm going to probably say fifth, sixth is where it's meant to, but you can easily tag two years on to either end, depending on what you're doing with the components. Right. And when you read aloud to your kids too, that, you know, you can always, you can be discussing what things mean that might be written above their age level too, you know, which is a great uh, advantage we have as homeschoolers to be able to pull the younger ones in. And what, what I saw is that the different um, sections that you are uh, writing on that I thought, oh, okay, well, I would absolutely just go um, into some higher level book. I'd read this aloud together with my family, but I would give some supplementary reading to my older kids. Okay, this is what I'd like you, this is where I'd like you to take this. But you've yeah. got but the, the basic line of history was so clear, it appears to be so clear that, um, that I just think uh, it would just be very functional no matter, regardless of the age range, yeah. Yeah, and that's one of the great strengths of the program. Yeah, I think so. Uh, do you have another question, Elizabeth? I've got a few more here, but you can take um, I did, and then it flew away. <laughs> <laughs> it happens often. Right around the time you took the last drink of wine. <laughs> <laughs> Must be a lightweight. <laughs> um, so do... How do you feel about the use of the whole program? Because there are... There are um, segments i've listened to a couple of the little sound bites they have on the tan site uh so there's audio that goes along with it which also seems to be kind of at a middle middle school range but yeah. i think of any mom who wanted to pause it and explain things to her younger kids that would be i think it would be usable for younger kids but do you think that it's best just uh the text or to have the whole thing uh, being used together, um, what would you what would you recommend to parents? Or or say they were on a budget and the and the whole program was more than they could afford. What would be the primary um, sources that they should be buying if the whole program is out of the question? Uh, I don't really know how to answer that because the different components are tailored to not only different ages but different learning styles as well. Right. Um, the the audio drama, which is the most popular component of the program. The audio drama is simply a voice actor reading the chapters with like sound effects and stuff in the oh, dramatized cool. versions of the chapters. So uh, it's identical to the text. So there's some parents who, if, if their kids uh, have a learning disability or they have ADHD and they can't focus on reading a text for an extended period, they have them listen to the audio drama because the audio drama is identical to the text. Okay, um, I did not realize that. That's good to know. Yeah, yeah. So the audio drama is by far the most popular part of the, the program, which is funny because what their people often compliment me on the audio drama because they think I'm the guy reading it, but I'm not. That's just a voice actor. <laughs> so it's kind of funny to that. yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, uh, yeah. So or the um like the the streaming uh videos the streaming videos are like me giving little summaries of the chapters with maybe additional information that's you know i mean that's more for people who want to see something visually i guess so it, it's kind of hard to say what's what the vision that tan had was that they wanted to have something comprehensive enough that no matter what your child's age or their learning style there was going to be something in here now i'll say when i use this for my own children I simply used the audio drama 
and the, the activity book and the test book, we would listen to the audio drama. And while they were listening, we would do the activities or color the pictures or they have like fill in the blanks while they're listening to the chapter. As they hear the answers, they fill them in. And then we'd take the tests every week. We didn't actually even use the textbook itself. Um, but that's what I knew my kids would respond to. So it depends. There's other parents that really value the reading aspect of it as like literature time or reading time. So they sit down and they read the chapter out loud uh, as a family. So I don't know how to answer it. I, I will just say that the audio dramas are the most popular component, though. Okay, interesting. Um, how old are your kids, Philip? Uh Five, nine, 12, 15, and 18. Nice. Okay. So you got a, you got a good range in there. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so I wanted you to just speak to, I was really interested on your website in the idea of your history boot camps. So oh, number yeah. one, have you, have you taken that online or is that something you just do live? Uh, well, I originally in, in the pre COVID-19 era, it was live. It was a thing where I actually would travel out to your co-op. Uh, it, it was the, the history boot camp is a thing where where if you have a co-op or a school, you know, basically a minimum of a certain amount of families, I'll come out to your to your uh, come out to your group, give some talks to your kids, and then sit down with your with your teachers, review your curriculum, help you do some curriculum planning, give some pointers on how to actually teach history in an engaging way and kind of do like a day or two day workshop on like beefing up your history, you know, curriculum. So it doesn't uh -huh. stink basically. Right. <laughs> um, That's so cool. I'm part of a co-op. I mean, it's on pause for this year, but maybe next bring year. Out, bring me out there. That's I my, should. I own, yeah. Close. My parents only live an hour from Awas, so I drive up there. Uh, absolutely. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. What cost would a person be looking at for like, you know, per family or per, um, how, how would you, how would you factor that? Cause I know people will want to know that. Um, I honestly don't remember because since I'll have to look at what I have on the site because since like Jan, like I did, I did some this year, but they were all on zoom, you know, because of the pandemic. And obviously the pricing was much different for, for doing it on zoom. I can't even, uh, I can't remember what, uh, the, what we did last time. I, it also depends on the travel to how far I'm going and whatever. Um, so I would just say if anyone's interested in, in, uh, in having me, um, out to, to just get in touch with me through my website or on Facebook, my Facebook page is Philip Campbell, author, teacher. Um, it's, it's, it's cheaper if you feed me when I'm there though. Uh, <laughs> Yes, for sure. And um, okay, so he can drive to you, Elizabeth. So that's yeah. Him. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. definitely drive that's... to you. You're close enough. Yeah, yeah you'll be hearing from me for sure. You'll be able to come to me anyways because we're Canadians, so you can't cross the border yet. Um, <laughs> that's okay. So, so sort of a, a, a segue then is um, uh, one: Would you consider doing it online for those who might not be able to afford to bring you out? Okay. Yeah, I think that's I think that's much more feasible. Probably um, now in the in the early days when I first started doing the boot camps, I mean, there's really nothing that compensates for the in-person dynamic of a teacher in front of the students, you know. And that's what I really love to capture and to to bring is that enthusiasm that kind of lights up a room, you know. But I've also seen that there's great value in doing these online uh, sort of meetings. So I'm definitely for your listeners. 
if anyone wants to, you know, have a session like that, I would love to do something, uh, something online or over Zoom or something. Okay, that's great to know. Yeah, I'd like to, uh, um, I'll put in some, you know, links to you and whatnot, but I suspect that would be, that would be something I'd be interested in for sure. Get, you know, yeah, sure. Yeah, it'd be yeah. great. I, I don't want to jump the gun, but I am really, really curious which of the, the stories of civilization is your favorite and like what, what's your favorite thing to study historically? Uh, um, my favorite story of civilization, it, it depends. I don't know. Um, my favorite one to write was volume two, the, the medieval one, because I'd already, volume one was more like getting my wings and figuring out what I was doing. Yeah. By volume two, I had a sense of how it had to go together, but also in the Middle Ages when I was finally coming into the Christian era, so I could do a lot of like my favorite saint stories and and the Middle Ages too. I like the Middle Ages one because I had, uh, in, in volume one, I had to cover like 3,000 years in one book. In volume two, it got down to where I only had to do like 900 years in one book, and I had the time to be like, now let's talk about medieval art, medieval law, medieval common life. Like I got, I could really expand it. Volume three and four, they both cover smaller time periods, even like volume three only covers 500 years. Volume four covers like 400 years, but there was so much going on in the modern world. Uh, once you get into modern stuff that I didn't have the luxury to stop and just kind of take in the atmosphere. I had to be like, let me explain communism, kids. You know, like mm -hmm. there's so many things I had to devote time to. Mm -hmm. So volume two was really just this nice little repose where I had the leisure and the time to go into all the aspects of culture and civilization that I wanted to. And to make it, it's, in my opinion, it's the most colorful of the, the, the books. Now, volume, the unofficial volume five, Story of the Church, that was the hardest one to write for me. Because by the fifth volume, I was very getting burned out on it. Like that was the volume where I had to force myself every week to sit down in front of the keyboard and, and write it. And as I was writing this, I was just thinking like, oh, this is going to suck. Like this one's going to suck. Like It just felt like I wasn't feeling it at all. You know, I, I don't know if I can say suck on your podcast. I'm sorry. No, we don't. But we'll just keep you up. <laughs> so we don't say suck on this podcast just so you know i should have warned you though i didn't warn you you know buyer beware right okay okay well so I, I i had to force myself to write volume five i was it was the only volume where i was like worried about meeting the deadline like just it just wasn't flowing you know when i was writing it and then when i got it done i was like okay this series is done like five you know you know it's not going to be like star wars where we keep making more forever it's it's done i'm putting it to bed and then I just kind of forgot about it. And then six, eight months went by and I got the book back and I started reading it. And it was some of the best writing I'd ever done. And everybody started reading it and they were like, oh my gosh, this is excellent writing. And I, I was reading it and I was just kind of like, did I write this? Like, who did, like, did my editor fix it? But no, it was just, yeah, it's just how writing works sometimes. It's, it's, you know, this, the, the, the old quip about inspiration versus perspiration when you're creating something, it's true. And it, it kind of showed me that my own subjective assessment of my work isn't always accurate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so well, that's great. Is volume five kind of a standalone or do you need 
Yeah, no, it's a standalone and it, it's not even called volume five. I just call it that because it's the fifth one I wrote, but it's, <laughs> uh, it, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a standalone. It's not part of the civilization series, but it's written in the exact same format, the same okay. components, audio drama, everything. Okay. But it, it's supposed to supplement your secular history with like church history. Right. And so is it also written to the same age range? It's a little bit older. Like I, they, they told me to write it a little bit older. So I was aiming for like seventh, eighth this time. Right. And I think, yeah, probably it's older middle school because it gets a lot more into the theology and some of the more abstract stuff. Um, I still kept all the historical fiction stories that everybody loves, but it's definitely geared towards a little bit older, but still middle school. Yeah. Okay. I'm intrigued. I think I might get it for myself. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I'm really. Yeah, a lot of adults have read it and said, "I, I just, uh, I just sent a copy to my friend in uh, in Texas, who's like 25, and she she read it and said this was like, this was a great church history book for me. I loved it. So. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to give you a little a little bit of background on homeschool connections, and I'd like you to share what what you do it there. So I was speaking at a conference in Texas two years ago. And the guy next door to my, you know, my husband was manning my book booth for me and, and the guy next door to him was, um, was Walter and uh, they got chit chatting and whatever. And um, anyway, he started telling me about what they do and we came home and I was, I went on their website and I thought, wow, this guy, these guys have amazing stuff. I had met Maureen Whitman before a few years ago at a, a conference we were both speaking at. And I was just blown away. I've just become this huge, I told them that I'm their Canadian ambassador because I've just become a huge advocate of what Homeschool Connections offers, particularly for high school, when I felt like it's become really important to me that my, with my younger, my older kids, I didn't do this, but with my younger four, um, I got them taking courses from other people because I wanted them to know how to produce materials for other people, how to write an essay for someone else, how to, um, you know, enter into classroom discussion, that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. So my youngest daughter, Lydia, has taken several Homeschool Connections courses. I didn't actually know until this started that you taught for Homeschool Connections. Oh. So, yeah, so the shame on me. Um, but... Uh, Anyways, I, I, so we, we just love it. And she's taking sort of like three or so courses per semester beyond, you know, what we do. She's a really, you know, academic kind of kid. She just adores it. Um, but so my question then in that is what are the history courses that you are teaching on homeschool connections? Mostly this is just for me personally. So we know what to choose. Uh, <laughs> hold on. Let me pull them up here. Uh, I, I got them. We can my Google phone. it too, you know, Philip. <laughs> Now, um, do you mean just the live ones or do you mean the full, what's full? Yeah, the live the ones. I mean, that's a whole other conversation talking about the ones that are recorded. And oh, okay. Well, this year in Homeschool Connections, I'm focusing on medieval studies. Uh, again, I, I kind of cycle through the different eras. So right. um, in the fall, I'm teaching uh, a class called Age of Faith, which focuses specifically just on the four centuries between uh, like 313 AD and 732 AD. So it's very specifically just on the first four centuries of the Middle Ages, right. very in-depth, um, uh, very much focused on primary readings and get digging into the real nitty-gritty. I'm also teaching a middle school course just called Medieval uh, Middle School Medieval, and that's just an overview of the Middle Ages for middle schoolers. When we okay. get to uh, the spring semester, I'm teaching one called City of God, which is 
which takes it for the next few centuries, I think it goes from 732 up to like 1215, so it's the high Middle Ages. And right. then I'm teaching a neat class um, called, um, what the heck is it called? Hold on, I have to look it up because I don't remember what my own class is called. Um, uh, uh, oh, medicine, technology, and invention in the Middle Ages. So it's all about medieval technology and inventions. Wow. Um, and is that spring semester? Yeah, that's spring. That's for middle school. Um, right. Now, uh, my my classes tend to fill up very fast. You no longer can get into the fall semester. Okay. Uh, they're all full, but you can still get into the the spring classes. Okay. We had to open up another a whole other section. I'm teaching two sections of the medieval high school. I think they're both filled up already. Okay, and uh, I'm assuming you have to take the first one before you take the second one, or no? Are they standalone? Uh, it helps if you have the first one, but no, I always, I always design my classes so they can be taken. Anyone can jump in at any time. Okay. Do you teach adults? I would love to teach adults more. I've taught I adults. I would sign that. up. <laughs> I would and love to do some adult education. Homeschool connections. Can you take classes as a, the mom? And they said no. <laughs> well, there's a business model for you. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> I would. I would love to. I would love to talk to adults. Before I was working. Uh, before I was known as an author, I used to do adult education classes at my parish in Catholic history. Like once a month, I'd do a history night where I'd be like, "Tonight we're going to talk about Catholicism in the United States, or we're going to talk about." some subject and I do like a two hour lecture with a break in between and I'd serve snacks and people would come and we just talk about history for the evening and I, I really miss talking to uh, talking to adults. I spent my whole life talking to kids. You can come and talk to us, Philip. Right. Dare I suggest a master class? <laughs> Yeah. yeah okay so you know what i've been doing um i've been doing these master classes about once a month and um you know just on different topics that people want to go more in depth yeah okay, so they're for adults um so i don't know if you would want to consider doing one of those but um i think it would be really popular hit me up let's let's do it i'm uh do it. i'm ready to branch out okay <laughs> awesome. now that i just now that i just put this series to bed with the fifth volume i'm ready to <laughs> Yeah. We better nab you before other people do. I'm gonna I'm gonna just jot it down so that I can follow up on this. Yeah. Because uh, following up is not really my best thing. But it, it was, I, I should say also oh, I'll, I'll be on you for that. <laughs> I should say also on my Facebook page, Philip Campbell, author teacher. I often do random live streams where I'm doing just like blabbing about some historical subject, like right. like back uh, back in January when the big news was that the United States killed an Iranian general, and we all thought it was gonna be World War III. Every week for like four weeks, I did a series of live streams on Middle East history, uh, going back to like World War I and like going into the, the 20s and the 30s and, and kind of like explaining to people how the contemporary map of the Middle East got to the way it is. And they were, they were fairly popular, uh, people liked them, but I kind of just, I kind of just brain fart those out whenever I feel like them. They're not on any schedule. They're just, you know, so, so the important thing you have to follow Philip Campbell, author, teacher, and then you'll. Philip Campbell, author, teacher. Okay. Follow that. Okay. So I have, I have two questions left. Do you have any other questions, Elizabeth? I'm, I'm, I'm good. Okay. So the, this one should be a short answer, but are you actually Philip Campbell the third? Yes. You are. Wow. Backstory. 
backstory. Well, my dad is the, my dad is the second, <laughs> and my son is the, my son is the fourth. So oh, cool. that's fabulous! Oh my gosh, how many of us yeah. have that? Um, so my last question for you is like you've got you know you got your hand in a fair number of of uh, projects. What is your favorite? What's your favorite thing to do? What's the favorite way to spend your time? To spend my time, yeah. uh, like history related or just in general? In general. Oh, well, that's definitely recording music. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a lifelong musician, guitar player. I, I play guitar, drums, piano, uh, all sorts wow. of instruments. And I have a, I have a band that's a, a duet. It's just me and a lady that plays violin. And uh, all my spare time that I can afford it, I, I spend recording music. And it's a way that I totally shift into another part of my brain. Uh, yeah. Total different part of my creativity. Um, it's definitely what I, I love to do. Um, I have it, <laughs> I have it linked on my my bio page. If you go to uh, to my website philipcampbell.net, and then on my bio, I think scroll the bottom where it talks about me. It has like links to to my music online. To uh, but that's that's what I love to do, uh, or to just you know I don't know. I spend so much time in front of a computer writing and teaching that when I have time, I like to do those sorts of interactive things like play music or, or be outside, travel. You know, I, I often spend a lot of time working in my yard or cutting firewood just to kind of get back into the three-dimensional world again, right. you know? Yeah, yeah, instead <laughs> of the brain world, yeah. yeah. I, I do have another question, actually. Yeah. Um, I don't know if, if you're a fan of film, but is there a particular history movie that you just really think is really well done, you just love it? Yes, but nobody's going to watch it. Probably. <laughs> um, there's there's lots of historical movies that I like, but I last year or two years ago, I saw this series called Sophia that I keep recommending to everybody very highly. It was made by it was made by some Russian ministry. It's a Russian series okay. subtitled in English. It's called Sophia. And it's a true, it's historically accurate. I mean, I even, I looked it up. I read the whole thing to make sure. Um, it's about the fall of the Byzantine Empire. There's this princess named uh, Sophia and she has no home anymore because the Byzantine Empire has fallen and she, she becomes like this, the ward of the Pope. The Pope doesn't know what to do with her. So he marries her off to the Grand Prince of Moscow, like way off in Russia. And so she goes all the way from Italy to Russia and the Russians are like completely kind of like nuts compared to what she's used to. And then it's a, it's like got 12 episodes or something. It's about how she, how the Russians reject her because she was, she was like, they just didn't trust her because she was a foreigner. And then there's all these intrigues. And so it's all about how she rises to become this respected queen. And also simultaneously how the Russians are like bringing to creating their empire from, you know, cobbling together all these independent little duchies. Um, so it was a great, great series. Um, the last like episode or two are not fit for young viewers. Um, right. It's it's more for adults. Um, when you watch foreign stuff, sometimes they just throw stuff in. And you're like, what? You know. But um, anyhow, but in terms of the the costumes, the the acting, the people, the story, I was engrossed in. I was blabbing to everybody about it, and they were just <laughs> like, yeah, whatever. I'm not going to watch some Russian thing. You know. That, yeah. that's in subtitles but anyhow Sophia I loved it it was great but watch right. out for the last two episodes <laughs> okay got yeah. it well got it's it. right up my my alley I've just recently gotten into Russian literature so I'm reading War and Peace right now oh and, yeah um, 
oh, I never imagined myself loving this, but I just uh, adore it. So yeah, it's probably- It's on Amazon Prime. I watch it on Amazon Prime oh. if you have it. It's, it's oh, for free okay. on Prime. Nice. Yeah, I mean, okay. I, I, my husband and I are big movie fans, so- Me like, too, I love cinema. Yeah, what, yeah, one of our sons is named Maximus after Gladiator, so <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'll admit that yeah. we're nerds. <laughs> nice, yeah. that's perfect. Well, I think we'll, we'll probably call, need to call that a wrap now. Um, but if you can stay on, Philip, after we stop recording, that would be terrific. And uh, thank yeah. you so much for being on our show. That was fantastic. Yeah, can I plug my social media things Please one more do. time? Yeah. Okay, so you want to you wanna go to my website, philipcampbell.net, if you want to just see all my, my books and everything about me and what I do. You can find me online uh, on Facebook at Philip Campbell Author Teacher. My YouTube channel is called Mr. Campbell Explains. Um, and uh, if you wanted to get resources for Story of Civilization, that's you want to go to Tan uh, or to Story of Tan, whatever I said earlier. <laughs> also on Amazon, you're, you're, it's, uh, the books are on Amazon as well. Yeah, 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 the books are on Amazon. But I was talking about the, the group where all the moms right, put right, together the right. resources. Yeah. Tan Story of Civilization unofficial. That's it. Okay, fantastic. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so thank much. Thank you.